Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Hope for Chronic Pain podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Katinka Vandermeer. Dr. Katinka grew up in Johannesburg, South Africa, as the daughter of a successful chiropractic doctor. She followed in her father's footsteps and graduated from Parker College of Chiropractic in 1999. She has since gained a reputation for developing a novel, non-invasive treatment system for neurologic rehabilitation of chronic pain, resulting in breakthroughs for even the most hopeless and severe cases. Her and her team have gained international attention due to their unprecedented success rates in these cases. Kent State University is slated to be involved with the first study of her work starting this year. She is an international speaker and best-selling author of three books, Putting Out the Fire, Taming the Beast, and Wake Up, Miracles of Healing from Around the World. Dr. Katinka practices in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and is the CEO of the Spiro Club. I'm going to start with two quotes today. The first one is from Coralie Buchanan. Forgiveness is not a one-off decision. It is a journey and a process that takes time, determination, and persistence. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It is simply denying your pain the right to control your life. And then one more by Paul Booz. Forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future. Today, as my guest, I have a former patient, Sean Fernandez. Welcome, Sean. Great to be here, Dr. K. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on today. You guys, I know that um, some of the comments we've gotten sometimes is, you know, I don't really resonate with a patient who's doing better when I'm still in pain today. But if you want to climb a mountain, what better thing to do and sit down and talk to the person who's already climbed that mountain before you? And not only did they climb that mountain, but they used to live the same hell that you're living today. And so I think that Sean is going to have really good advice. Sean, you graduated and rung the bell uh, in our program. So for those of you who don't know, when you go through our program and you complete and you reach the goal you set out to reach in the beginning, you ring a bell and we have a little ceremony and sometimes you do a little speech. Well... Sean's speech was anything but a little speech. It was hands down the most inspiring speech I've ever listened to. And Sean, it literally brought me to tears. Wow, Dr. K, that means the world. And um, for someone as intelligent and well-versed as yourself, but with, both with spoken word and the pen, you know, that really means a lot. Thank you, Sean. I think that I loved your ending and I also loved your beginning in my program because there is a magical piece. There's an X factor to the patient's outcome uh, that's hard to explain to the patient, but it's either something they have or they don't have it. And it's, it's that grit. You know, that's why we wore this shirt for a long time as uniform shorn that says no grit, no glory. And you came in on the first day and you said, I remember you looked me in the eye and you said, I've been working with my therapist. I'm ready to do this. 100% for sure, I'm going to recover. Do you remember that? Yes. Um, the first day, you know, I remember it vividly. And um, I told Dr. B actually before you came in that whatever you need, to, need me to do, I will do it. And um, I think... What I told you, that goes back to visualizing success. I think if, if you look at Dwayne Wade, when he was playing for the Heat, he would come off a, a screen, lift up for a 22-foot jumper, you know, at the end of the game. 
And he wasn't saying, oh, my God, I hope it goes in. Oh, no, please don't airball. Please don't miss. He was saying, this is going in. I have no doubt. And if it doesn't go in, I'm going to grab the rebound and slam Duncan in their face. And we're going to win. You know? <laughs> and um, that's just a small aspect of it. And um, those two quotes you said about forgiveness, they're very well written. And, and they're very true. You know? Sean, tell, tell the audience your story. How did you get sick? Well, um, I was a fireman in Miami, Florida. And um, originally I had a, a broken bone in my foot, one of the small sesamoid bones. And due to a myriad of unfortunate factors, it was misdiagnosed. You know, you're told to suck it up. You're told that pain is weakness leaving the body. However, those more intelligent like yourself, Dr. K, they'll tell me, no, it's, it's not weakness leaving the body. It's an advanced evolutionary warning system to prevent permanent damage. So I was misdiagnosed, unfortunately, and then just kept working on it. Eventually that bone died, and they told me to have a surgery to take the bone out. That surgery, uh, I think, more or less is what, is what triggered the CRPS. Um, and basically after that surgery, I just had nonstop, you know, the CRPS nerve pain for seven years. And uh, I had another follow-up surgery that was supposed to correct that. It didn't. I've, you know, gone all over for treatments, even went to Italy for treatment seeing more doctors than I could remember, um, more, you know, five different physical therapies, all sorts of, and just, just like five Bibles worth of medical records, you know, and uh, nothing really helped. Sean, did you, um, I know it's a personal question, but did you ever feel suicidal? I, I did, I did definitely feel suicidal, just that I wanted the pain to end. And after you're in pain for so many years nonstop and can't be productive and feel like a burden, not just to your family and friends, but to society in general. You feel like there's no hope. You, you want the pain to end. And um, for a very long time, I, w I was there. And it, it's, you, you lose all hope for your life. You kind of just hope for a valiant death. I'd hope that maybe there was some sort of nuclear meltdown and they needed someone to handle the radiation. And, uh, you know, that would be me. Or there would be some sort of school shooting and I would stop the shooter and sacrifice my life to help people. Because your life is basically made null and void. They tell you there's no cure, there's no hope, and you're gonna have to keep living like that. So I'd given up on life. And unfortunately, in my circumstances, people didn't believe me. Um, the people I worked with, the, the local government, uh, so on and so forth. So you just do feel alone. And, um, and those thoughts do cross your mind. Sean, I'm gonna quote someone you know very well. His name is Freddy Fernandez, your dad. <laughs> Chief Freddy sent me a personal letter uh, after you left. I don't know if you knew this, but one of the parts that touched me so deeply, he wrote, that success story, while worthy of praise, was not what affected me the most. He's talking about another patient who rung the bell, and you guys were here to see that. He said, she said that prior to making the journey to Spiro, she wrote two documents, a will and a suicide note. That touched my heart and soul in a manner that cannot be described. You see, in my mind, I had written a eulogy for Sean at least a hundred times in my head. I never penned the thoughts, but they were constantly on my mind. I even had picked out hymns and Bible passages to read at his funeral service. I had given up hope and thought he would succumb to this monster we know as CRPS, aka the suicide disease absolutely grabbed my heart, Sean. And you know what's amazing to me? You were heading in that direction, and now you have your life back. 
talk to me about what recovery is like. I mean, recovery, you know, and you know, it's so horrible. My story is terrible in, in so many ways. And you see the other people's stories. And um, it's different locations, different age group, age sequences, different years, different sequence. But it's more or less the same story. And you just feel so hopeless. And um, it had been gone on for so long with my family that when, when you think of something unspeakable, you think of something bad, a tragedy, a murder, this unspeakable thing they did. But it had gotten to the point where me getting better after all these years, after all this disappointment was unspeakable. It, it was something you just don't, you don't bring up, you don't talk about. And it became really a, a pie in the sky kind of pipe dream thing. So to actually have it, you know, it, it is incredible in so many ways. And, and being told by all the doctors that there was no help. And I just hoped that one day there would be an answer. Whether it was 20 years from now, 30 years from now, five years from now, I just hoped that someone was working on something that would be the answer. Little did I know the answer was there in Fayetteville, Arkansas all these years. And I just didn't know. So I think it, it, uh, an important thing is, is to put yourself out there and look and connect and network because you never know what, can, what, what post, what, form, uh, what message, what, what conversation you know, is, is going to lead you there. But as far as how recovery is, I mean, I touched on it in my speech, you know, it's, it's the life from before. It's the life that you lost, that you had to grieve and get over, and then here it is back. And I think uh, two Saturdays ago, I did four or five different activities. I think I had played disc golf with my friends. I had gone to Publix, you know, our, our local grocery store, and did a full haul there. I had done some cleaning around the house, and then I drove 60 miles to Pompano Beach there and back to go to dinner for my mom's birthday. And when we got there, you know, it's a typical hassle to park. You got to park a few blocks away. And I did it. I did it like I was a grown man, a leader of a family. And any of those four or five activities would have knocked me out the rest of the day. They would have been horrible to do. I would have resisted doing it. I would have been miserable doing it and just just uh, inconsolable after in the, in the amount of pain. And I did four or five of those things and wasn't hurting doing it. I wasn't, uh, no one had to consider, you know, do I have my ice bucket? Have I been standing too long? How are we going to, you know, the logistics of everything? We just did it. And I remember after dinner, we walked to the end of a long pier with my mom and I walked back just like a normal person. So um, it's, I would say night and day, but that doesn't even do it justice. I mean, it, it's just a completely different life and um, in many ways a rebirth. And it's not all good or easy, right, Sean? I mean, I, yes, it's good, but I think people imagine they're going to get better and things are just going to fall in place. But you and I were talking before we started recording our podcast. It's also a big stress, right? It's a change. Absolutely. And that's a, a really great point to bring up, Dr. K, because, like I said, it becomes so unspeakable and so almost miraculous you know to get better that you think and then you're so deprived you know you're just seeing everyone else move on with their lives the whole world move on and you're saying if only I, w I was you know on an even playing field if only I could do what I want to and it becomes this this perfection this 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 miraculous thing and it, it isn't perfect and and life's not perfect healthy life is not perfect but I think the key is that I when you have a bad day and I still do two two times a week I have a bad day I realized that just make it to the end, go to sleep, wake up with a fresh start without the nerve pain hitting you first thing and go about the next day. And more often than not, that next day works out great. Where before, 
from the moment when you wake up, you're just basically done. There is a, a bit of a feeling, you know, coming home that, that you're returning to the scene of the crime. Part of the reason the clinic experience is so great and I think it's, it's so successful is that you detach yourself from all these years and years of suffering and disappointment and backstabbing and betrayal. You're, you're in Arkansas, that, you know, that's a new place. Everything's new. You're hundreds or thousands or 10,000, you know, in some case, miles away from your, from your problems and your issues. So coming back to that can, can be rough. But from what I understand, this is a common thing from all, all the patients that are successful. Yeah, it, it is a common thing, and I'm glad you're talking about it. Another thing I want to touch on, Sean, let's go back to your injury. It's not just that you had a fracture. It's that you told people that you were hurting. Um, you were crying out for help, and that was being suppressed. You were not being believed. And then once it turns out that, yes, you did have the fracture, the damage was done. And I think even then, because you were dealing with what they call an invisible illness, uh, your, your firefighting brothers did not believe you. And so you had a lot of feelings of uh, anger around the injury. And in many cases, patients often have intense feelings of anger and regret about how they were injured or became sick. If these feelings are not addressed, it becomes harder to treat these injuries for us as a team and as your doctors. Many people don't know this. Was this the case for you? Did, did you have feelings you had to work through? Absolutely, that's the case. And you know, um, in, the, in the dark days of my disease, every day was a different negative feeling. Today would be angry day, tomorrow's hate day, third day is regret day, and you just move on and on like that. In my case, you know, it was 100% preventable. It was 100% unnecessary. And um, unfortunately, you know, Florida is number one for disability fraud, number one out of all 50 states for insurance fraud. So whether it was the judge or the people I worked with, I, I wasn't believed. And um, uh, this is so common in, in all the stories. Uh, a lot of the young ladies that were attending the clinic told me that just the fact that they were women and that they were young, they weren't taken seriously. And I was barely taken seriously, and that was as a grown man with, with you know, the experiences on my resume that I was a fireman. You know, that afforded me a certain level of understanding. But at the end of the day, they don't, they don't know. And I can tell you, you know, the difficulties of the disease, and you can say, oh, my God, that's terrible. I'm so sorry, which is more than what most people would give. But at the end of the day, you, you, you can't know. You know, it's not, it's not something you can hand off, like you hand off a baby, you know, for your parents to take care of it so you can go out in the town with you know, with your wife, it's something that, that is you and only you. And, you know, you can't see nerve pain. You can't see nerve damage. And um, fortunately for me, I was never wheelchair bound, though it hurt really bad to stand up, hurt really bad to walk, hurt even if I was laying, you know, comatose, it still hurt. But um, the anger, you know, in Return of the King, Frodo, in one of the chapters, he says, revenge for revenge, it heals nothing. And yeah. you want people to feel what you're feeling. You want, you know, in my case, the surgeon who told me I'd be good at eight weeks that caused me the seven years CRPS. You want to, to hurt them back. You want to yell and, 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 and say the people that don't believe me, the people that deny my disability, I hope this happens to them. And it's only natural, not only because it's so terrible, but because by the very definition of CRPS, you're in this sympathetic fight or flight nervous system 24 seven. And it's just not natural to live to live like that. And we're programmed when we're like that to be defensive 
and to be vigilant and kind of feel attacked by everything. So I think that there's multiple things you need to do to be successful to beat CRPS. One of those is opening yourself up to the treatments, accepting the treatments, like letting them in, kind of like opening a gate to let in a visitor. And you can't do that if you're angry. You can't do that if you're hateful. You can't do that if you don't want to be there. And it's so easy to be there at the clinic and say, especially early on, what if I'm that 20% that doesn't get it better? What if there's something weird about me, whether it's my DNA, I took too long to come here, whatever, some treatment I may have had, you know, some treatment I can't have because of spinal cord stimulator, and something like that, that can make you say, I'm gonna be the one that doesn't work. You know, and then you could say, you know, my friends at home, they're starting families, you know, they're eating what they want, they're going out drinking alcohol. I shouldn't have to be here, I should be building my life. I shouldn't be in Arkansas, I shouldn't be here, you know, all these months, I should be living my life like everyone else. And you can't succeed feeling like that, you know? And um, I think that the work of Dr. Lucas at the clinic is, is, is integral to everyone's success because it, like, like he teaches you, you know, to, to see the good, learn the lesson and let it go, that's, that's absolutely essential. And um, the anger or regret, it, 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 it helps sustain that, that fight or flight nervous system state. It helps sustain that, that inflammation and swelling. The CRPS, it wants you angry. It feeds off that. It wants you upset. It wants you at odds with other people and yourself. So letting that go um, through a myriad of things was essential in my recovery. Sean, if you weren't able to forgive, do you think you would have reached remission? No, I have no doubt in my mind that, um, and of course I can only speak for myself, but I would not have recovered. Um, I don't even think I would have made it the whole 12 weeks, uh, which was the original plan of, you know, the duration. You just, um, I like to use the metaphor of a gas grill. You have a natural gas grill that's hooked up to the line coming out of the house. If you want to turn on the grill, I say that, that, that the staff of Spiro, you know, obviously you included Dr. K, they pump that gas through the gas line, through the neighborhood, to your house, to that, to that outlet. And unless you physically get down and open that gate, you know, in line, the grill's not going to spark. You could sit there hitting the ignition on the grill all day, putting the little lighter to the grill. It's not going to spark unless you yourself open that gate. And that's, that's accepting that it's happened to you. It's knowing in the vast majority of cases that there will be no justice. There will be no answer for the time lost and the pain suffered. And just believing that it can work and believing that you deserve to get better. You know, especially after being mistreated so much. So forgiveness is essential. Um, if you do not forgive, you're just throwing away money. I just want to say for our audience, if you're listening to this, and let's say you have chronic back pain or any kind of pain, so often we have patients calling and they'll say, you're CRPS doctors and I don't have that. I have neuropathy or you know some other pain. Pain is pain. And it doesn't matter what kind of pain you have. Uh, complex regional pain syndrome happens to be one of the most painful syndromes in the world. But there are other things, um, migraines, trigeminal neuralgia, that may cause people to think about suicide or even take that step. So uh, please know that we are not CRPS doctors. And that's not the voice I'm speaking to you with today. We are people that help your central nervous system to break through so that your body can heal from within. 
Because if you have a cut on your arm, I can, I can put antibiotic ointment on it and, and I can tell you to keep it clean. You know, I can put a Band-Aid on it, but my body cannot heal your body as your doctor. That healing comes from within. It's just that when you're in chronic pain and that's not happening, there's a reason. It's being blocked. It's not able to do its job. And we remove those blocks so that your body can heal itself. Sean, how... How did you overcome forgiveness? If you can sum it up, I know it was a process, but how did you do it? Like the like you had mentioned, you know, it is definitely a process, and um, I obviously speak from a CRPS patient, but I saw patients with fibromyalgia, EDS, POTS, many other conditions uh, get help through the clinic, and I, I would vouch for anyone that's experiencing any type of neuromuscular pain or neuropathy to uh, to of course attend, and um. As far as the forgiveness, uh, a big thing for me, uh, not just for doing the forgiveness, but succeeding in the clinic was for 15 months prior, I attended uh, weekly a spiritual healer and therapist in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. So every week I would, uh, you know, drive an hour, an hour and a half, two hours each way and uh, really, really put in work uh, with this um, incredible, you know, spiritual healer there. And... It, it was a process, you know, just like the healing at the clinic. It was back and forth. And eventually, um, we we got to the point where I could forgive and, and could move on. Um, it wasn't completely set up for success going into the clinic. I needed to kind of ring, ring out more of the, ring out more of the towel, the sweat out of the towel, you know, there. But um, you say it in your book, you know, anyone with COPS or, or any of these extreme conditions, they need therapy. It's, it's yeah. not really optional. It's, it's essential. And not just them, but their spouses and family as well. And um, I think the book overall, um, whether it's the book on fibromyalgia or COPS, are essential um, when it comes to preparing yourself for the clinic and, and learning to forgive. I remember a page you wrote that nothing binds men together more than hate. And that really resonated with me because I don't want to be binded, you know, with men over something negative, you know? And um, it's a, um, you know, not, not you, you forgive the person, not the act itself, like, like you have said. So Sean, when you're sick and in pain, it's a horrible reality, but it's the reality you know. And I always say, when you start considering a new line of treatment, um, I mean, obviously there's risk involved. There's risk involved because, you know, in the case of our clinic, insurance doesn't cover it. So it, it is expensive. It's a lot of money. A lot of families have to fundraise. So there's that risk. And then there's always the risk that when you start hoping again, you're also opening yourself up to being disappointed. And that is worse than where you are now. Did you go through any of that? Oh, absolutely. That, re that really rings a, a lot of bells for me because after so many doctor's visits and just so many surgeries and the spinal cord stimulator, the shots, you know, going abroad and within the country and within the world for treatments, you kind of get to the point where you just want to throw in the towel and you don't want to be disappointed anymore. And I went through that. There was about a year that I stopped doing physical therapy. I stopped really discussing any plans going forward. And um, I started getting muscle atrophy, started feeling, you know, even more depressed. And um, I had I had to, you know, really believe and put in, put in hope for the clinic. I think a, um, 
an important part of this clinic is that you, you, you have to visualize success and really make it that failure is not an option, but you have to identify that, that it's a possibility. You, you have to identify all outcomes and you say, I, you know, it may not work. But what I, in my case, I decided that I may, it may not work. I may be that 20, that 20%, but I'm going to make sure there's nothing in my power that impedes my treatment and my recovery. So I said, you know, whether it was the clean eating, the supplements, the drinking of the water, reduction of whatever medications I was told to reduce, reductions of physical activity on days not in the clinic, as far as what, what was asked of me during the clinic hours, during the individual treatments, what was asked of me as far as tolerating pain, tolerating soreness, tolerating the bad days, it's, it's, it's all essential. And I think if you fear that negative outcome and you don't address the possibility of that negative outcome, it can kind of impede you getting to that positive result that you're looking for. So identifying that it can be negative, but at the same time, visualizing success, making a game plan and going all in with that plan and not making excuses. I think that's that what sets up someone for the most success in the clinic or really any type of medical um, intense medical healing. That's a great answer, Sean. So that leads me to my next question. While being in our program, you met many other patients and you spent a lot of time with them um, in the waiting room. Did you notice a common denominator in the patients who did well in our program? I did. And um, I think it was compliance. In medical terms, most of people think that's just taking a pill. Are you taking the pill every day? Are you doing your insulin injections every day? And here, the compliance is so much more than that. It's, it's complying with, like I mentioned, the dietary restrictions, the water, you know, the amount of water you're supposed to have, uh, weaning off medications, um, having the correct mindset, getting, you know, the therapy that you need uh, before and even during the, during the treatment. So that's absolutely essential. Um, it's really just going all in. And, you know, the Miami Heat, they had a cute little slogan in this playoff run. They said, burn the boats. You know, it's, it's that if, if you go to invade a country and, and you get off those boats, you burn the boats so that there's no, there's no way back. That, that you know, you, you can't retreat, you can't escape. And it's that all-in mentality. Because I've compared, you know, the journey of the Spiro for me to a war. And in many ways, it's, it's a campaign. Whether we're talking a campaign of conquest or a political campaign or a video game campaign, you know, for my younger audience... It's, it's not a, a few small steps. It's, it's, it's this long campaign, really preparing yourself for the ups and downs of it. It really comes down to who wants to live more, you or the, the CRPS. It, there is no part-time. There is no only these days. On this day, I'm going to take it easy. You have to go all in 100% all of the time um, to really even have a shot at getting better. And I saw that at all the, all the patients that did well. Also, I... I just realized a really big key of getting better is opening up. You don't have to be like me that's, you know, share, uh, spilling guts to everybody at all times, but you, you have to talk to the other patients, particularly the patients and, and, and the caregivers as well, and just put out, you know, what you went through, know that you're not alone, know that there are people that care, and know that there's people that, uh, that have done it better. I based, you know, a lot of what I did with that, with that great, incredible patient, the young lady, Bria, that had come through, I had watched her graduation video. I had watched her journey. I had seen her post in, on the aftermath of what life is like after. And uh, kind of just modeled it, you know, after the way she did it. I'd say being all in, not making excuses, being compliant with the orders, and really believing you can get better. It's something I saw. And, and opening up. 
is something I saw in, in all the patients that did recover. Thank you. I love that answer, Sean. Second to last question. Do you think that chronic pain is something that people should just accept? I mean, I cannot give a more resounding no on that. You're, um, I think you're told to accept it at a certain point. You're told to take, you know, shove these pills down your throat with all the side effects and all the invasive treatments and, um, you know, all this uh, corporation of, of the devices and, and corporate, you know, way, way that they do these things. You know, I'm sitting here with my Spiro I Got My Life Back shirt. And it shows the, the silhouette reaching up and there's these black, you know, black crows flying everywhere and he has the white crow. And you mentioned this in your book, the white crow moment. They, they, you just, you have to get lucky once. You can get, it doesn't matter that 10 surgeries haven't worked. It doesn't matter that 100 doctors haven't worked. That does not make the next attempt any less likely to go in. You got to believe in, the, in, the, in that Hail Mary, you know, and that, that's what the clinic was for me. It was the Hail Mary from the 50-yard line in the Super Bowl down three with zeros on the clock. You know, it, it was that full court heave, three, two, one, you know, swish, woo. You know, th that's what the clinic was. You have to believe that there's something out there. Now, obviously, this is easier said than done uh, for all the reasons, you know, that have been, you know, well articulated, whether people not believing you, people shrugging it off. It, it, it makes you want to just accept it and, and, and be defeated. But know that that you got to keep you got to keep going on. And unfortunately, you feel so alone when you have a disease like this. You feel like it was made just for you. You, you know, it's not even something that you worry about growing up. You know, you, you you worry about possibly dying. You worry about maybe getting paralyzed. I didn't know this disease exists. I didn't know there were people that looked fine and were in horrible burning pain 24-7. You know, and I believed in doctors. I believed that there were answers. And, and there are. You know, the answer was was here at Spiro all along. And I just had to be, I had to have that white crow moment where it says, you know, how do you disprove the theory that all crows are black? By finding one white crow, that's it. You just gotta get lucky once, you know? And it's like the police finding a criminal. You know, this guy's on the loose. They just need one break. They need one, aha, you know, to, to find the criminal and then he's done. No matter how long the criminal's been on, on the rampage or the disease has been destroying your life, you just need that one thing. And I'm just shocked that I live in a generation that has the clinic. If you think about the centuries and thousands of years of people that have had the disease, I'm shocked that I, it was, you know, that it's in my lifetime, that I, I could afford it, that it's in a place that speaks English, that was in my same country. You know, these are all incredible things. And it's, it's very easy for me to say this now, but two, three, four years ago, I was that angry patient like we touched on i was that person that would not succeed i was that person that told you that i would say my life is over i would say that as a matter of fact my life is over but to those of chronic pain i would say there's not it's not and in the meantime you know you need to focus on what can i do because it's very easy to focus on what can't i do and that list is extensive for those with chronic pain or crps of any kind but there's still things you can do and yes you're doing it in pain and you're doing it at a reduction of your ability you're doing it um, so much harder than your friends and family and you, if you weren't sick, had to do it. But you're doing it. And you're alive. And you're breathing. And you're loved. And leading into the clinic, identifying situations like that and just following through and doing them is really, really what helped me out. So for, for those in chronic pain, you know, the, there is an answer. You just got to find that one white crow. For me, it took seven years. I know for other patients, it took much longer. But I'm, I'm never going to get justice for those seven years. I'm never going to get money for all my suffering. I'm never going to get that time back.
I'm, you know, there is no answer for my life. The, what my justice is was going to the clinic, getting better, helping people get better, and what, wherever road takes me, finding success in that. So, Sean, thank you so much for th that brilliant answer. You're a powerhouse, and I just want you to remember that you talk about the seven years you won't get back. In a way, you're going to get it back because you're going to squeeze that and then some out of your coming years. I always say life after chronic pain is much sweeter, much more rich than life before chronic pain. So it does come with gifts. And I was going to ask you what advice you can give to someone on chronic pain, but I think you just answered that brilliantly. So I thank you, my friend. I am so proud of you. Thank you for sharing your experiences today. Well, Dr. K, I was glad to help the clinic in any way. And uh, if you are listening to me, know that there is hope. You know, I, I dream of a day where someone can get this diagnosis and they can get a card that says you need to go to Spiro Clinic, you know, and they don't have to meander through, you know, this darkness and despair for so long. And um, I remember listening to episode four of the podcast, you know, thinking about coming in and how influential it was for me. So um, I heavily recommend the podcast, heavily recommend your book. And uh, any questions or specific things could be asked to me. I can be found online, Sean Fernandez, just do a basic search. So thank you so much, Dr. K, and uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be on. The honor was all mine, Sean. Thank you. I'm going to end with a quote by the Buddha. If you want to fly, give up everything that weighs you down. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited about every new person we are able to reach. It is our most sincere hope that our podcast will bring hope to many. If you or someone you love is suffering from chronic pain, please don't lose hope. Visit our website at www.thespiroclinic.com for more information and stories of hope. That's www.thesperoclinic.com for more information and stories of hope.